0: Welcome to the Nerd Dungeon Podcast, where we explore the various catacombs of media and entertainment. From manga and anime to books, games, and TV, we explore it all one corridor or hidden room at a time. I'm your dungeon guide, Phantom Eldriff. And we are here today to talk about another set of episodes for World's Finest Assassin. And I'm, I'm glad I decided to discuss episodes 4 through 6 because holy shit. Yeah, specifically the th- uh, the sixth episode. It it this show was darker than I anticipated it to be, which is weird because they kind of it give you fair warning in the first episode with the cold open. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get into that a little later. Overall thoughts though, these episodes four through six I really enjoyed. They cover a lot of different things. They introduce new characters and they continue with the growth and progression of our MC, Lug Tuohare. Overall, these last few episodes have definitely shown that this show is not for the faint of heart. I still recommend this show, just if you are sensitive to certain things or just like sensitive in general to to certain things, I wouldn't recommend that you watch this. But if you are the type of person like me who is able and willing to sit through narratives that contain dark themes, then I'd I'd recommend this show. This is still a... Again, a lot of dark shit happens, but this is a very well-written and well-put-together show. I don't think that anything that they did was in poor taste, despite some opinions of others in the comment section of Crunchyroll. But uh, let's just go ahead and get into it. We're going to start with episode four, which is, let me just take a look at my notes here. Um, It starts off actually with a small blonde girl struggling in the woods and she is alone and abandoned kind of struggling with her reality that she might die alone starving until she comes across a pack of wolves that see her as a meal then after the opening they cut to the Tuahade family in the I guess, like the town square of one of the villages that are within their territory having a great time. Lug's mother is doing her thing, trying to bond with her son, guilt tripping him into getting a cookie to share with her. And Lug is pretty much getting to know the lay of the land. He appears to be searching for people with magical talent with his new eyes. And he's doing this so he can get assistance in killing the hero because of the situation that he will soon face in the next eight years, because at this point he is currently 10 years old. So he's resolved himself to knowing that he needs allies that are skilled at the bare minimum in mana. I guess with his assumption that he can mitigate the rest with potentially training them. So then it cuts from that scene at the town square to Lug going out hunting for the winter. He hears as he's hunting a pack of wolves that have found their prey. He decides to chase after them and steal the prey from under them. And then it dis- it's uh, discovered that the wolves were actually chasing the girl that we saw in the cold open. This blonde girl, after being saved by Luke, who fights off these wolves pretty much barehanded with the exception of a magically constructed knife and some really badass gauntlets, he interrogates the girl because she's pretty much within the territory of his estate. And so he sees that she's starving. He ends up feeding her, asking her questions about how she got there, and apparently She was sent by God, which lets Lug know that the goddess is sending him people to help him or to aid him, although they themselves don't know it. And so after a little bit of a heart to heart and really just kind of like getting to know each other and not sizing each other up, but it's a very, it's a a heartfelt conversation that they have, if I'm being perfectly honest. And you only find out after she, you know, becomes indebted to him and has these feelings of gratitude and loyalty that they kind of just do like a rewind and show that from the moment that he saw her about to be attacked and saw that she had mana, every move that he made, everything that he said was all constructed to get her on his side. And it was just basically this very complex form of brainwashing. His words, not mine. It then does an interesting smash cut or a flashback. 40 years, I guess, previously in that world to where the goddess summons another individual who is supposedly the world's finest soldier who died in battle. She gives him the same opportunity that she gives Lug, but when she checks on him like 30 some odd years or 40 years later, this guy is a complete neat. He is very much living the life of luxury, decided to not even train himself. This guy is just like a fat dude who's sitting in his bed all day eating. And then it flash forwards from there into two years after Lug Meets this girl who I forget to mention is the character Tart, who we see in the first episode that was the maid that was, I guess, getting the girls ready for the slave auction. That was also there assisting Dia and killing the people when the plan was starting to unfold. So this is two years after Luke and Tart meet, and then. Lug has started to train Tart in the duahadi techniques. And aside from that, she's also become very accustomed to being Lug's personal attendant. It seems that the both the mom and Lug's father both love Tart. So as the story progresses and you see how Lug is basically the same way His father was teaching and training Lug. Lug is doing the same techniques and methods with Tart. And it is shown that she's caught on to a lot of her training and lessons fairly quickly. But she still seems to struggle with combat techniques. And it's shown with her being very shitty with her knife work. But she expresses that she's actually better with spears. And it's shown when she is showing off to some of the other maids that she's good with using, like, staff work. And so to kind of compensate for that, Lug ends up making her a foldable spear, which she can use to carry concealed under her dress. It helps her a lot because she's able to use her strengths while also being inconspicuous as one would need to be as an assassin. Jump to the fifth episode, where it is another scene of the goddess summoning another individual, this time the world's finest samurai, who she gives an opportunity to kill the hero. The same deal she gave the soldier, the same deal she gives Lug. But when she checks on him years later again, this guy is pretty much trigger happy. He's just going around looking for people that he assumes looks like the hero. And just starts attacking them randomly. It appears that she's probably testing warriors or maybe not putting all of her eggs in one basket or maybe this might be just all of the things that she did before meeting Luke or before deciding that the only person that can kill the hero is an assassin like she said. We have no idea but I'm interested to find out. So from that scene We go to Tart and Lug in the town market. I'm assuming this is not far from the end of the first episode, but it shows this entire scene kind of showcases how Lug has gotten to know a lot of the townspeople and how helpful he's become. As a future lord, he believes that he shouldn't just protect them from bandits or anything like that he needs to he feels the need to get to know these people to help aid in their struggles and just these other things that will help breed loyalty and tart asks him if he does the same thing with her and he's upfront about it he's like well yes because i need you it is a very the things he thinks about is very contractual it seems but These are things that benefit everyone, so it doesn't seem like he does this with wholly malicious intent. He just understands the, basically the reciprocation of interacting with others. So then after that, there's also another scene where Lug is in his room. He's got like bags of far stones, and apparently after Dia had given him the one, he figured out how to replicate it with magic, and he's just been replicating these far stones and just filling them up with mana. From there, there is another scene with Ken and Lug discussing the possibility of Tart being a spy. It seems that in the two years that she's been with the family, they've been keeping an eye on her to see if she was coming to do anything malicious toward the family, steal their techniques, and it seems that she's in the clear and the reason for their suspicions is just because of all of the coincidences that brought her to them. It almost seemed like some kind of stroke of luck or a miracle, which technically it was, since it was the goddess that presented her the vision to go to their estate, but they can't just assume that, and although Lug knows that the goddess is working with him, the father has no idea of that situation, so of course, he's going to be skeptical. And then from there, they discuss that Lug has a final test to take, and it is a, uh, basically a battle with his father, which occurs at night in the forest outside of their estate, and it's actually a really cool fight scene. It's, it's not what you would normally see in, like, a a shonen battle series. It is very much a fight between assassins, a lot of hiding, basically this cat-and-mouse chase of who can catch who first unawares, who can get the upper hand first, and for the most part, Lug surprisingly struggles, even with his abilities that he has fostered over time with the help of his skills that he got from the goddess and with the experience that he had as an assassin in his former life he still seems to struggle in this fight he contemplates the reason why he's like is it because of is it because his dad's a monster is it because of how his dad has gotten to know him or is it just because of this man is his father type of questioning But, ultimately, Luke ends up coming out on top with a very risky gamble of just sitting and waiting for his father to strike at the right moment. And it leaves his father proud, because he is not only, not only did he beat his son, or not only did his son beat him, he also is the youngest person in the family to do so, and his father is supposedly the strongest member of the Tohade family to date. So as they're discussing the end of the fight itself, Kian brings up the fact that his son held back. And Luke says that he didn't hold back, despite the fact that he didn't really use any magic other than some magic to heal himself. And Luke, when he explains why he didn't use magic, it was essentially because he didn't want to bastardize the test. Because the point of the test was to test his ability as an assassin and he knew that using his magic would defeat the purpose of that test. So he went all out in all of his base physical combat abilities. And that also made his father uh, more proud of him for understanding the point of the test and also being able to work within the limits of the situation. And from there, Kian takes Lug to Basically shadow him in his assassination work and in his doctor work or his practitioner physician work. Just to kind of, you know, on the job training for the most part to see how things are done. The different methods he uses in killing. Some are very hands on. Well, all of them are pretty hands on, but some are more like he goes in, he kills, he leaves blood, he gets out. Others are he kills, makes it look like the person's been poisoned, or makes him look like he died in his sleep. Uh, another one he kills and make it look like he got attacked by burglars because this uh, or bandits I should say, and because this guy had apparently been dealing with bandits, and it is a method that would hopefully ensure that other nobles don't follow suit in doing deals with bandits and then after coming from a physician appointment that he had Luke and his father discuss how the man's security has tightened up and the point of having a secret identity or a a second identity or multiple identities he brings about that Luke has one final test Aside from the other final test that he must take, which is to spend two years under the identity of another person, which he had set up upon Lug's birth. So Lug is to study until he is 14 as a man named Ilig Balor, who is the son of the Balor family. And to celebrate kind of his finishing up of his training they they throw this farewell party with the branch family and friends to celebrate Luke's process and departure this is where they introduce his cousin Rona who is a salty guy who seems he seems older he also the reason why he is upset is due to the fact that after Luke's late brother had died he was supposed to be the next in line as the head of the Tuahide family But Lug has shown that he is pretty much superior in every way, and then he goes out of his way to end up physically demonstrating it at the behest of Rona himself, who gets embarrassed. But then Lug, later in the night, pretty much shows him a bit of good faith and wins him over to his side and recruits him as a knight once Lug finishes up his two years away as, which I forgot to mention, a merchant. So then the next day, Kian and Ezri see Lug and Tart off for his final test. And from that point on, Lug is meant to be referred as Illigable This leads into episode six. And what I thought was going to happen was we would get an episode of Lug getting to know how to do business and this is potentially where he'd meet the next character of the series but that's not what actually happens at all. Uh, Lug is in the first part of this episode he basically finishes up his transformation into Illig Balor. he changes his hair he puts on some glasses all cool shit, I, I thought this is really going to be another Lug-centric thing, or illig balor centric thing. However, this is not where that shit went at all. It, after the cold open of illig Balor completing his identity and the OP, it cuts to the outside of the merchant town of Miltu, which is where Lug is currently staying to do his training and to solidify his identity. And it shows this young girl by the name of Maha, who is seemingly working as a tour guide or working as a number of tour guides with other girls who are all apparently orphans. And it's, it's a very terrific scene. She's very bubbly, charismatic. She knows a lot about money and apparently business because her father used to be a merchant. And it's thanks to her that all of those other girls are able to eat well and have a good time earning their living until they get fucking kidnapped and uh, a bunch of these guys come up and take them and in the chase it is shown that Maha possesses mana but they all get taken to this orphanage and I'm using big quotes huge quotes like skyscraper size quotes when I say the word orphanage, because that shit is not a goddamn orphanage. And this orphanage is run by this guy named Torin, who is... uh, Well, you'll see. So they basically are stuck at this orphanage and apparently they were kidnapped because I guess the local wife of the Lord had decided to offer a bounty for providing children without families homes. But then it goes a bit further than that. This guy from there, him and his goons force these girls into labor. They give them a measly week's rations of food, which is less than what they were eating when they were on their own and makes them basically just do a lot of manual labor up until it is also revealed that these guys are forcing them into prostitution. And it starts with one of the girls by the name of Aoife, who gets washed and dolled up by Maha, and and this is this is the thing that kind of, like, completely fucked my shit up. They basically take her outside, they splash her with a bucket of water, then they do another scene where they doll her up in one of the dresses that they made them make, and then they have Torin take her out in a carriage and escort her to god knows where she comes back all disheveled makeup smeared and despite the fact that maha was waiting up for this girl all night she runs off into the shed just unable to really face any of her friends and it just happens Multiple times, like literally after that scene. It is multiple shots of Ifa getting splashed with water. And it happens until her friends really kind of try to stick up for her. And then they get a rude awakening and find out that they're also quote-unquote products. And it is just another splash montage with the other girls being put in the same situation. And it gets to the point where one of the other characters, this girl named Noin with short blonde hair, she gets desperate enough to scar her own face with a sickle to avoid getting sold again. And Maha basically has to watch this for two years. And I don't even know how she was able to avoid it. It is apparently implied that she's the youngest out of all of them. Despite the fact that I, I'm pretty sure there were a couple people younger than her, but they might have just been shorter. I have no idea. But she she watches her friends suffer for two years. And then one day she, as like she's about to deliver some food because she basically is working as a servant as well. As she's about to deliver food to Torrin. He's talking to his, uh, he's talking to one of his subordinates, Lloyd, in a room about how Maha is about to be next. And then she runs out into the barn and she thinks about doing what her, what her friend Noin did to herself, which is scar her face to make her unsellable. And I, it's crazy because it doesn't even, they don't even show whether or not it worked. But I doubt it just because of the situation that they're in, I don't think certain people would give a fuck. But before she's able to do it, however, Illig Balor kind of comes up behind her and stops her. Not physically, right? But he kind of makes his presence known. And then it's revealed that the reason why Ilig Balor is there is to recruit one of the girls to come work for him. And... Obviously he ends up choosing Maha because when he comes across her at the barn you see his eyes kind of fade to show that he was looking to see if she had any magical talent. So Ilig chooses Maha and Torin is very reluctant to give her up. He goes out of his way to be like oh no it's uh she's she's very special she's worth twice as much no three times. And, he, and Illig is like, whatever, just take the money. Because he has the money to be able to afford whatever silly price the guy is making. And then he's like, oh, no, but I've, I've got to get her ready for you. Just give me like three days. And Ilig concedes to this fact, but he warns this guy. He's like, listen, she's a part of my family now, so no harm is meant to come to her. And Torn says, OK, but we know he knows and Maha knows exactly what he's going to do with those three days. And so then Maha gets splashed. And so then after she gets dolled up, she has or and it's knowing helping her this time. And knowing is really kind of expressing how she regrets scarring her face because she thought. That maybe if she hadn't scarred her face, that Ilig would have chosen her, which we all know wouldn't have actually happened. But it is a very, it's a very heartfelt moment, at least to me. And Maha gets taken away. And on this carriage ride to wherever the fuck she's going, she is... Distraught probably isn't the right word. She is... The emotions that she's probably felt over the last two years begin to bubble up. And seeing how she's so close to freedom, she just is unable to stand the idea of having to suffer the same fate as her friends. So she then uses her magic to kind of give her extra bit of strength to push torn away and hop out of the carriage. And she starts running through the woods. And you think she's going to get away until... Lloyd kind of reveals to him, reveals himself to be a magic user as well, and then he tries to take advantage of her, tries to make a quote unquote deal with her to let her escape until Illig comes up behind him and he interferes, then Torn comes up and they both try to jump Illig and attempt to kidnap or get rid of both of them or to kidnap both of them and then sell them off however we all know Illig is a trained assassin so he takes care of them quickly and it's also I want to say revealed or assumed that Illig had learned about what they were doing because after this scene they cut over to a random manor in town where a girl in a white dress knocks on a door and this noble drags her inside and we are to assume that the person that is doing this is the person Maha was supposed to go meet but the girl yells as she's getting her clothes ripped off and some guards come in and they arrest him and then it shows that the girl is tart, and she just fucking hops out the window like a badass. And basically, the entire operation gets shut down. They got, they got found out. They got played. And Ilig works some magic and heals that girl Noine's scars. And then they end up taking Maha away. And. Like Tart at the end of episode four, she is completely down for whatever plans e or Lug Tuohade has in the future. So the story so far has gotten way more interesting. We definitely see now why assassins, or an entire family of assassins, are needed in this world. They have a really terrible human trafficking problem, and god knows what else. But it's also, despite the subject matter of episode 6, and despite how some people have reacted to Episode 6. I, after watching it a couple times, I ended up looking into the comment section. And a lot of people thought that this was done in bad taste. I disagree. I think Episode 6 was done very well. If, if you're looking at it in a play format, they do everything in a way where it is heavily implied but not actively shown. Unlike, say, let's say, um, unlike Goblin Slayer. I, I enjoyed Goblin Slayer a lot, but even them, that wasn't heavy implication, that was damn near blatant hentai. Like, yeah, so I, I think that the animation studio did a very good job of handling this episode. It didn't feel dragged on to me. It was almost like I was invested. If, if it wasn't for the fact that they had shown Maha in some of those scenes, I would have felt like I was watching these shit unfold through her. I feel like they did a good job in making you feel for these characters in a, as tasteful a way as possible. I think they also did a good job of building the suspense and building up the the frustration of the whole thing, because the entire time I was looking at it, I was just like, well, when is Illy going to show up? When is when is this when's the main character going to swoop in and save the day? And it wasn't until the very last moment where he came in and I hope in this next episode they show kind of what he was doing to lead up to that because I'm not sure if it was because this was happening the same time he was doing his training or if this has happened two years before he went off to do his training I assume the former only because it would explain why he wouldn't know about any of that at first but who knows we'll see honestly though as the beginning of the story progressed with that little opening scene with Maha and her friends doing the their tourism business I was hoping that they would end up finding Illig and kind of like having that interaction and she would have been a business rival of some kind but that is not what happened I can't say that I'm disappointed that that's not what happened, but... Yeah, man, this, uh... Episode 6 is definitely hard to watch, but it's definitely not without its merits. It is high-quality storytelling, if I'm being honest. Because there's always... I'm of the mind that you should be able to do certain things in story as long as they're done tastefully and they are they are done in a way that is relevant or important to the plot i think the way that they did this was relevant and important to the plot because again it did show in an extensive way the human trafficking problem that this country potentially this world has. It showcased the need for assassins. It showcased that despite how a lot of places look, that there is still trouble to be had in this world. I think it shows that if this isn't the world going to shit, what the fuck is the hero gonna do to bring the world to its destruction? But I guess we'll find that out Hopefully the next coming episodes. Um, I'm not sure if I handled talking about this all that well, but I'm gonna keep going. I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious enough to also potentially pick up maybe the manga or the light novel to see how they handled this situation and to see if there are any things that the manga and light novel covered that the anime skipped over. And yeah, I'm gonna leave it here. Um, no, actually I'm not. I've got one more thing to talk about. I'm going to talk about the the music of this. I hadn't noticed in the first few episodes, but the music in this series, the soundtrack is really good. It's a lot of orchestral music. Specifically, I hear a lot of strings and it definitely plays to the era in which it is trying to emulate, but also it is very much They do a good job of getting the tone of the scene right. I'd say that especially happens in episode 6, also in episode 5 with Luke's training, or his final test with his father. All of it's really well done. And then the ED, which has slowly started to grow on me. Well, I wouldn't say slowly started to grow on me, I haven't really been paying attention as much but I really like the ED, it is called A Promise. I'll look up the artist later, but it is not like the OP at all, but it is very mellow, not really, I wanna say it's probably close to like a R&B-ish type of vibe, but not really r and if that makes any sense. Uh, if I were to give it like a genre or like a type of song, I'd say it's like a ballad. It's called a promise. And so now I'm officially done. Done. I've got nothing else to say on these three episodes. I'm gonna keep watching. I'm going to keep seeing what the story has to offer because I am wholly invested now. I want to see how Maha. Ex- I want to see how Maha is in her new life. I want to see how. Lug utilizes Tart and Maha aside from what they showed in the first episode and I want to see Dia again. I They keep hinting that they're going to meet back up but I want to see them meet up again and I want to see her reactions to when she sees both Tart and Maha in Lug's presence. And that's going to be all for me today. I'm going to go ahead and traverse down these stairs into the depths and hopefully you guys will join me next time.